be his granddad, you're going to be his great-granddad, you know, all the way back to Adam, right? Uh, and then you get, I mean, just crazy people, insane people doing the craziest things, right? Adultery and murder and stealing and lying. And, uh, and in spite of all that, he made it to the earth, right? Uh, and so, you know, sometimes people are concerned about, you know, I've got a skeleton in my closet, you know. Jesus had, you know, he's like a whole graveyard of skeletons in his closet. I mean, just the craziest things, right? Uh, I mean, incest, I mean, all kinds of things, things he can't even talk about in, in, uh, in uh, polite company. Just, uh, and yet he made it, right? In spite of our best effort to mess it up as, as much as we can, uh, he made it to the earth, amen? Uh, and um, one thing I was just meditating on this one day, you know, about, you know, the Lord, uh, how, how long did it take the Lord to create the entire universe? It took six days, right? People argue about that. I'm fine with six days. It sounds pretty good to me. You know, I think the God of all creation could create the entire universe in six days if he wanted to, couldn't he? Well, you know, he, it was really tiring, and he took a lot longer than that. And I, I'm pretty satisfied it took six days. But it took him uh, about 4,000 years to bring uh, redemption to mankind. You know, because uh, Adam only lasted for three chapters, right? Chapter one, things are great. Chapter two, things are awesome. Chapter three, it's all messed up. I mean, that's it, right? Uh, and so, uh, so from chapter 3 till now, Jesus was planning redemption. Uh, and it took him 4,000 years. And you think, well, you know, Lord, you created the whole universe in six days. It took you 4,000 years to bring Jesus to the earth. You know, what's the deal? And, and then you realize, well, you know, when he, when, how many people did he have to depend on to create the universe? No one. He just did it himself, right? Just, I think I want a star over there. And bam, a star existed. But to bring redemption, the way he had to do it was he had to do it through people, uh, and it took 4,000 years. Six days to create all the universe, 4,000 years uh, because he needed man's help. That's about right, right? Do you ever needed help for something? And it's just like, oh, i got to ask somebody, right? And, you know, you're the only guy you know to help is that, that guy over there. It's right? like that's the last guy you ever want to ask, but that's the only guy who can do it, right? So, so you drag your feet, and then he drags his feet, and it takes, you know, twice as long and five times as long to do things. Uh, and yet, that's one reason why the Bible says that the Lord is long-suffering. Because <laughs> he's the one suffering, right? It's like he wanted to get it done by, by like Genesis chapter 4. He'd have been fine if Genesis chapter 4, he came to the earth, everything's done, you know. But no, you know, it, it, uh, he needed people to help him. And so it took 4,000 years to do that. So uh, it just, uh, uh, if I can find any other way around to do it, to, to do something on my own, you know, I'll do it on my own just because... It's just, it just faster, right? Uh, but uh, the Lord's long-suffering. If he can be long-suffering, I can be long-suffering. Amen? So just to remember, in this season, we're here to remind ourselves why Jesus came to the earth. Amen? Uh, it's for us. Uh, and, and it's for all of us. Amen? He didn't come to the earth for the good people. Uh, in fact, how many good people were on the earth? There's literally zero, right? I know there's a lot of people who think they're good, but literally zero. So he came to the world for everybody. Amen? Uh, and that would include me and you, all of us, amen? So we're all qualified uh, for the need for redemption. So we just thank the Lord for that, amen? So let's stand and just uh, greet each other for just a minute, and then we'll get into praise and worship. Kindness and mercy that you've shown to us. Father, we thank you for this time and season of the year to remind ourselves what you've done for us. The blessing of sending your very own Son into the earth. Father, we thank you. Lord, you said in your word that if we draw near to you, Father, that you'll draw near to us. So, Father, our hearts long for you. Our hearts yearn for you, Father. For your presence in our lives, Father, to 
direction in our steps, the wisdom in our minds, Father, the health in our bodies. We desire you, Father, to speak to us, to show us things to come. We thank you, Father. Thank you for the great ministry of your spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Chris, I need to pray for you. If you'll, um, Jared can play some music. If you'll come down here. I need to lay hands on you and pray for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. In the name. Yes, Father. Yes, Father. All the years all the years that you've invested in my spirit, says the Lord, to hear from my spirit, to be directed by my spirit, to walk in my spirit, <clears throat> is about to bear more fruit than you can ever imagine. For it's time for having spent the years to invest in the spirit, to now give of the spirit, to give of the spirit that's in you. To affect a change in the lives of the people around you. Not just natural things, supernatural things. Things of revelation. Things that come from only the spirit realm. To change the course and direction of people's hearts. Their lives and their minds. For you have been a servant of the Most High all of these years. A servant of my spirit. And this has not gone unnoticed by heaven. For I will do a work in you even in the days to come that will be a great blessing to the people in your life around you. To set their courses straight where they couldn't find a way. But the Spirit in you will show them a way. And people's lives who have been shipwrecked in faith and in other areas of depression and sadness and hopelessness you will bring the light of the glorious gospel by the spirit that dwells in you into their life. And they will be changed. And they will be edified. And they will set their courses towards heaven because of the spirit that dwells in you. So be aware and attentive as I lead you and guide you to speak and to direct your hands and to direct your words that know that these are not just casual interactions with people. But I have set this course on this path from before the foundation of the world. That I will bring people across your path that have longed for the light to know the direction. And I will speak words in a timely manner in your heart that you would deliver to them and cause great joy to rise in their hearts. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
We thank you for that, Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and kindness, Father. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, Father, and mercy. Thank you, Father. And I need to pray for uh, Monty and Debbie. to come help me if she can walk over here thank you Father thank you Father you have your hand Mr. Montez Father we thank you for divine appointments in the earth and Father we thank you for the path of this marriage and the Lord started speaking to me even this morning about not just individually, but the two of you in your marriage. And the love that you have cultivated in the sacrifice of your own selfishness over the years, not in a negative sense, but in the sense that you have laid down things in your heart to knit your hearts together, laid down things in your, in your lives to be a greater, to have greater connections with each other. And the Lord has seen that, and, and the thing that he showed me is, just in a, in a similar way to Chris having invested in, in the walk of the Spirit, that you have invested in your marriage. And uh, even if you don't see it, uh, the Lord sees it, and he sees it as an example that he desires to use you to assist others in their marriage. To just, not even necessarily in the area of counseling although that may be the case but as he instructed Timothy to, to be an example and the love that you have for each other and, and as you allow yourselves to be an example and, and that will require sometimes to to open yourselves up and to allow people to come in and see your marriage and see uh, how things work in your marriage and not something that's always necessarily comfortable to you all but the Lord uh, sometimes will call us up and ask us to do things that maybe our flesh is uncomfortable with. But the need for the church and the need for the people to see, yes, I can have a wonderful marriage. Yes, I can live in joy and peace. And even after all of these years, the, the spark that's in my eye towards my spouse can still be there because he sees that. And so just know that the Lord desires for this to happen and that you'll yield yourself to that. That he'll lead you into, into being a blessing into other people's lives and their marriages. And when they don't know which way to go or why things aren't working, that, that they'll look to you. And you can share the things that the Lord has taught you in the years. And the things, not only that he's taught you, but things that you've learned and pursued in your own hearts. Of what the word says and what the spirit has showed you in your lives. And to be a blessing to those. For the Lord has ordained this marriage from before the world began. He's ordained this love to grow and to increase. And, yeah, and the Lord says, 
if you think it's been good till now, he said, just wait and see how much better it'll be even tomorrow and the days to come. Days of heaven upon the earth. You'll think, well, I don't even need to go to heaven. It's arrived. He declared that in his word that, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't have to wait to heaven to achieve it. And you'll see great days of joy and blessings in your life. And it'll be a great example to those around you. In the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we thank you. We declare it to be so, Father. We thank you for directions and insight. By your word, Father, through your spirit. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for days of goodness and kindness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. And the last thing the Lord would like to do, if, if you have need for prayer for any kind of sickness or disease in your body, you know, the Lord sent His Son to do a great work in us. He sent the Lord Jesus as a baby knowing that that baby would receive a terrible <clears throat> agony and pain inflicted upon him as part of the plan. So that if he would receive that, that pain and agony inflicted upon him, that we would never have to be sick again the rest of our days on this earth. We can live lives of divine health. And so if you'd like prayer for any kind of sickness or disease in your body, if you'll come up here, we'll pray for you. And the word says that the Jesus that lives in me, the eternal life that lives in me, through the law of contact and transmission will be transferred into your body to effect a healing and a cure. There's no magic potion in laying on our hands. It's the transfer of the power of God into our physical bodies to effect a healing and a cure. And so Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for divine health and healing, Father. Father, the Spirit of God in us goes into this physical body. And Father, every cell that's out of alignment, Father, will be put into alignment. Every muscle, Father, that's not as strong as it should be, Father, will increase in strength. Every bone, Father, that's not operating correctly, Father. Every joint, Father, that's not in, in perfect unison with your word, Father, lined up in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Strength, Father, and increase in this physical body. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And Father, we thank you for continuing days of strength and increase, Father, in this body. We thank you, Father. Yes. Not, not decreasing, Father, but increasing in strength. Thank you, Father. Increase, Father. Increase, Father. For there's much work left to be done. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. 
thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that we see by example how Paul laid hands on cloths, Father. How cloths were taken from his body that contained your spirit. And Father, somehow your spirit was contained in those cloths and traveled the distance, Father, to affect healings and cures, Father. Even, Father, the removal of demonic spirits. Father, your spirit, your power, Father, can be contained in these cloths. So, Father, I thank you. In the name of Jesus, your power, Father, goes into this cloth. Supernatural power, Father, goes into this cloth. Miracle-working, healing power, Father goes into this cloth. And Father, I thank you that this cloth goes with a commission to effect a healing and a cure. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. I said that's the last thing, but uh, there was one other thing. Uh, Miss Lou, the Lord wanted me to tell you to, to tell Miss uh, Addison that the hand of the Lord is upon her baby for good, amen? And that this is for her to take to, to her. You hold that, take care of it for your, your grandchild, right? Actually, grandchild, right? So, amen. Well, is the Lord good? We appreciate his goodness and kindness. Amen. We thank the Lord for watching over us and speaking to us. Amen. Praise God. Well, let's see. Oh, well. It's uh, 25 minutes after some time, right? Um, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Isaiah. We'll, we'll get started there today. Isaiah, you know, it's that big book in the Old Testament that we don't like to read very much. It's, but uh, it's back there, and it's a good book. Amen. Uh, it's full of good prophecies. And so, um, here in Isaiah, uh, we're going to start in chapter 7. <clears throat> um, and um, we're going to take a break from our, from our uh, teaching on um, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I actually... Had, preached this message last year and I just uh, sensed in my heart that it would uh, be good to preach it again this year every time you preach something you learn a little bit more amen I was writing some more notes about this message just uh, uh, today in fact uh, but it says here in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 it says therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign behold so what's the sign that he's going to give us behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel uh, and so one of the things, you know, the, of course, the whole 
beginning of the plan of redemption, right? Uh, it was planned for thousands of years, but, uh, you know, uh, if you've ever been involved in projects, a lot of times there's months and months, sometimes years of planning that goes into a project before you actually ever kind of pull the trigger and start the project, right? Uh, and so I know they're doing a big project work over here uh, in the, uh, the water treatment plant. Well, you know, that didn't start the day they, they dug uh, the first uh, bit of ground there. Uh, that started probably years before, right? They, they did all the surveys and, and plan everything and design everything. And, and the same thing with the Lord is he had planned this out for thousands of years. You know, that, that's a long time. You know, can we start now? No, we've still got more planning to do. Uh, and this is part of the plan that he prophesied to Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus came. That uh, this is going to be a sign that a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which of course uh, means God with us. Uh, and uh, so this is the kind of the, the key thing. So, G- so Jesus came into the world, born of Mary, born of a virgin. And we're going to change microphones here. Um, we bought a new cable, but... Um, Amen. Uh, and so the Lord had planned uh, all of these years in advance for the Lord Jesus to come as a virgin. So he came in a supernatural way. Amen. He didn't come the same way everybody else comes. He, he came born of a virgin. Of course, um, you know, the devil, uh, he didn't really know what this meant. And, and, you know, even the people that wrote this, they didn't really know what they meant. Right. Because, I mean, you know, is that to mean that she's just the first child? Right. And, you know, they, they didn't really know what this meant. But, no, it was a supernatural occurrence. Right. Uh, and so let's turn over to uh, Luke chapter 2. So the question, the question, you know, uh, when I study the Word of God, I, I always like to ask a lot of questions. And so one of the questions I had years ago is, Lord, why does it matter, right? Why does it matter that Jesus had to be born of a virgin other than, of course, he had to fulfill the Scriptures? But, but, but there had to have been a reason other than, you know, I mean, it's cool, right? You know, I mean, that could be the reason, you know, the Lord, I, just want, I want to be different than everybody else. And, you know, sometimes the Lord does things just because he likes to be different, Amen. And why are there 6,000 types of trees? Well, the Lord likes a variety, amen? It's not because, you know, he, he, he messed up or anything. And a lot of people say, well, evolution, you know, created all these things because they all messed up. You know, I think the reason why there's a lot of trees that uh, because the Lord likes a variety. If it was me, I'd have made one tree. go, yep, that's good. Copy, right? Copy and paste that, and then you were done. Uh, but the, the, the Lord likes a variety, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but there, there was, there are biblical reasons for this, and and uh, I just wanted to read a couple uh, scriptures here uh, about what was said of, uh, of uh, Mary here in Luke chapter 2. Let's start in verse uh, 31. It says, um, now this, this is um, where Simeon had come, the prophet Simeon had come and was speaking to them, uh, to Mary and Joseph, uh, about eight days after Jesus was born. And so they start prophesying about what, what uh, he was going to do. And it says uh, in verse 31, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of my people Israel. And Joseph and his mo- mother marveled at those things which were spoken to him. So th- th- this was all the prophecy, right? He's going to become as a, come as a virgin. And what was he going to do? He's going to bring a, a light to the Gentiles. Well, that's us, right? We are the Gentiles. Right? He had the Jews and the Gentiles. There was only before uh, the church of God came along, there was only two groups of people, just the Jews and the Gentiles. Now there's the Jews, the Gentiles, and the Church of God. Uh, and so uh, that's what he was going to bring a light to the Gentiles. So he was going to show, you know, the Gentiles were closed out of the covenant of Israel. So, so Jesus uh, had to come to 
be born of a virgin. We're going to look at three reasons why he had to uh, become come, uh, born of a virgin. And if you understand these reasons, you know, it, it all kind of makes sense, right? And, and, and what I have observed in studying the Word of God all these years is the more I study the Word of God, the more things make sense, right? Uh, oftentimes I'll read things and they'll, they'll say, well, here's why this happened, why that happened. And, and it never fits with a big picture, right? It's like, it's like this one-off thing that, you know, Jesus did these things and it's, it's really uh, doesn't fit anywhere, right? Uh, and so just like we had, uh, you know, in healing school one time, uh, we were talking about there in Acts chapter 19, you know, how we prayed for this cloth over here uh, just a few minutes ago. And, and somebody got upset at me because I said, well, there's nothing special about the cloth, right? It's just, and it's nothing unique. It's just the power of God, the same power of God that we use when we lay hands on people, same power of God, goes in a cloth and affects a, it's not superstition. They, they wanted to make a big fuss about it. No, this cloth becomes something special and it, it's just cotton, right? It's just, it's not special, right? But if it was something special, then that'd be really different, right? This whole new, whole new doctrine that we don't know anything about. We have two verses in the Bible that talks about it, and, that, and somehow we have to build a new doctrine. But we don't have to build a new doctrine. It's just, it, it fits with everything else, amen? It fits with the whole idea that the Spirit of God is there to heal and to cure and to, to remove sickness and disease in our lives, amen? Uh, and so, in order to understand why... Uh, Jesus needed to be born of a virgin, and why that's important for us to know that, uh, we need to understand what's the, what was the current status of humanity, right? What's the current status of humankind? Because uh, the problem with, with Jesus coming into the earth was he had to come through a fallen man, amen? But in order to, for him to come to the earth and complete all of the scriptures that prophesied about him, and you could go through, there's lots of, lots of studies you can go through that shows the, uh, they call it the scarlet thread, where you can go through all the books of the Bible and find out where they were prophesying about the Lord Jesus and what aspects of, of him they were prophesying about. Uh, but in order to understand why, why did Jesus have to be born of a virgin, then the first thing we need to understand is over in Romans chapter 5. We'll, we'll uh, try to get this uh, done just as quick as we can, right? You may have to hook your seatbelt up on and, and, um, and hang on for the ride, right? But, uh, but here, Romans chapter 5, uh, what... Uh, what is he telling us here? So uh, this says in, ch- in verse 12, uh, talking about uh, Adam, says, Wherefore is by one man sin, ent- ent- sin entered into the world. So who's the one man that sin entered into the world? By Adam, right? So sin entered the world. Uh, and so it, uh, notice it doesn't say one woman, right? Uh, it was Adam's fault, amen? All the women are glad, right? Because everybody... Uh, Eve has gotten a bad rap over the years, and it really wasn't her fault. It was Adam's fault, right? It was 100% Adam's fault. He should have told the woman, you know, no, don't be hanging around with that serpent, you know, because uh, the Bible says she was deceived, but he wasn't deceived. He, you know, in fact, you know, he was just almost as much, as, you know, I was going to say just as much, but maybe not just as much, but almost as much a snake in the grass because he's like watching Eve, seeing if she really dies because the Lord told him, if you eat of the tree, you die. Then you watch Eve, well, she didn't die. Sweet, you know. Yeah, and, you know, that's a really sorry attitude, right? Let, let the wife try it and see if she dies first. And, of course, she did die spiritually. You know, he, he couldn't tell that. But um, uh, kind of a rascal there, you know. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, so as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. So was there any death in the world before Adam and Eve? No. Uh, and and did, did death just come into the world because it wanted to? No. How did it get in? Through Adam and Eve, right? Why did it come in through Adam and Eve? Because Adam was the, the, the uh, authority on the earth. 
The only way death could come into the earth was for the authority in the earth to allow it to come in. Uh, and so uh, it says death by, uh, uh, by the sin. So sin entered the world by one man, and death by sin. So death passed unto what? All men, right? And so that's kind of a tricky thing. And so, you know, you really have to kind of put all these things together and so, um, to understand uh, some of these things. But if you think about it, so if death is passed by, uh, from, from, from the man, then uh, how many people on the earth are born without a, a human father? Nobody, right? So that, that sin nature, that death, that sin nature that's in, that resides in every human being is passed into the child, whether it's a, a female child or a male child, it's passed into the child by the, by the father, right? So every single child has a mother, has a father, right? Uh, and, of course, you know, nowadays, you just never know, right? We won't get into all that. This is crazy. I mean, there's insanity going on right now. I mean, man, we could get on a soapbox and just ride that soapbox for a while, but, but that's a different discussion for another day. But, uh, but right now, uh, every single child that comes in the world, that sin nature is passed to the child because of the father. So now, whether it's a boy or a girl, that same boy or girl has a sin nature. Amen? And that sin nature is there to just always encourage them to do wrong. Now, you don't have to do wrong, but it's always there. Amen? So the problem with that is uh, if, if I wanted to be a perfect sacrifice, then if you remember that you go to the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament talked about, you know, you had to have a, have a lamb without spot or wrinkle, right, of any kind of blemish uh, to, in order to sacrifice it to the Lord. Now, that was the qualification for a sacrifice. So if I've got a sin nature in me, then, then I am not a, a, a lamb that is qualified to be a sacrifice because I have the sin nature. The, the Bible says it resides in your flesh, right? So every, everywhere you go, that sin nature resides in your flesh. Now, you don't have to yield to it, but it's there to encourage you to do wrong all the time. So it's a blemish, right? It, it's, it's, uh, it, and it's going to be there for all of us until our last breath on the earth, right? Until we get a glorified body or we breathe our last breath on the earth, it's going to be there. Nothing you can do about it. It's always going to be there. Amen? And it's unfortunate, and it's 100% Adam's fault, right? Death passed to all men uh, because uh, of Adam's failing. So that's the, that's the condition of all mankind. So who of us would be qualified to be a perfect lamb sacrifice to sacrifice himself for the world? Well, none of us would be because we would disqualify ourselves because of the status of our sin nature that resides in us. So, now, if you could somehow figure out, maybe like supernaturally, how to avoid being, having an earthly father, you could avoid having that sin nature passed on to you. So, that's, that's the very first reason why uh, Jesus was born of a virgin, so that he could avoid Romans chapter 5, right there. So that he could have a body that did not have the sin nature in it because he was not passed from a natural father. So, does, so does, does the Lord God have any sin nature in him? No. So, so when Mary was conceived, then that life that was passed into Mary was passed without the failing of a natural father. And so uh, Jesus was able to be born in the earth without a sin nature, which then allowed him to be qualified to be the perfect sacrificial lamb. Amen. Uh, and so, and that's kind of a big deal, right? It's, it's, uh, uh, if, uh, if, he, uh, if you go back to the Old Testament, it says, uh, and we'll just uh, read these real quick for, for sake of time. It says in Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Uh, and, and he says at other places there that if it's, uh, in Leviticus uh, 1, chapter 3, 
uh, or chapter 1, verse 3, if, if his offering be a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the, of the tabernacle. And so, so uh, he had to have a body that did not have a sin nature so that he could be qualified. See, all these Old Testament verses, the whole sacrificial system was there as a type and shadow of the Lord Jesus, right? They kill the bull, kill the goats, kill the sheep, and blood was shed. It was all pointing to the, what Jesus did. Now, they had to do it every year because, you know, that blood just, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't divine. You know, it was just good enough to last about a year, and then they had to go murder some other mammal, amen? And so a lot of mammals get murdered when when, um, when Solomon uh, dedicated the temple, it says he killed 100,000 sheep. 100,000 sheep for one, for one temple. 100,000 sheep. Uh, you know, you think about it, we We put 250 bags together, you know, and, and uh, I had to take a nap after that, you know. You think how much work it would take just to kill 100,000 sheep, right? But they sacrificed them just for the dedication of the temple when Solomon built it, amen? Uh, and so, so that, that was, uh, uh, we're going to look at, uh, as far as having the body being separate from the sin nature, that's the first reason why he needed to be born of a virgin. And the reason for that was so that he could uh, be a clean sacrifice. But also, turn over to John uh, 3.34. Well, again, uh, we're going to run out of time if we start. Uh, uh, I'm going to tell all these verses, and you can write them down if you want to. Uh, and then you can, of course, get a copy of the tape. In John 3.34, it says, For he whom God has sent, uh, speaketh the words of God. So he's talking about Jesus. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. So in John 3.34, the Bible said that Jesus had the Spirit of God without measure. Now, if you go to Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me that every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So Jesus had the Spirit without measure. We have the Spirit by measure. And, and why is that? Well, there, there's something about and you see this just in your own personal life that, you know, the further you live from sin, the more the Spirit of God you can walk in. But even, even if you're just the, the most holy saint, there's just so much that you can walk in because you're limited by that sin nature. That sin nature is always going to be, because the Bible says we have an earnest of the Spirit, right? We, we will never get the whole Spirit. We only have an earnest, a down payment of the Spirit. But Jesus had the Spirit without measure. And the reason why he was able to do that is because he didn't have the sin nature in his body. And a lot of people argue with that. You know, I can have the spirit without measure. You got no Bible for that. In fact, you, the Bible says you're constrained. Amen. Uh, and uh, both in Romans chapter 12 and, and where it says that we have the spirit as an earnest, right, as a down payment of what we'll get in the future. So when we get a glorified body, you know, we could have the spirit without measure. But right now, you know, I mean, it's good. It's, it's pretty good though. Right? Even with the spirit by measure, I mean, we can still move a mountain. Amen. Still raise the dead, heal the sick. I mean, it's not like we're limited in, in anything in particular, but. But Jesus had the Spirit without measure. Amen? And, and he could do that because he, uh, he did not have any, any sin nature in him. Amen? Uh, and then uh, the, the last part of this one about uh, uh, being free from the sin nature is uh, that his body, because he didn't have the sin nature in it, his physical body was an immortal body. It means, in other words, if he didn't die on the cross, he could still be with us today. He, he would never have died of any, of any sin or, or disease or sickness or disease because he, he had this body that, uh, you know, even Paul says that though the outward man perishes, right? And so, uh, you know, this outward man, even though we have promised to have a long life, we don't have a promise to live forever physically, amen? Uh, when we get a glorified body, we will. It does promise that we will put on immortality. But right now, we, we have an, 
a mortal body, a body that's subject to death. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be subject to sickness and disease, but someday, you know, when, when you live the full life on this earth, you know, if you live by divine faith and divine health, you have a right to live a life free from sickness and disease until you breathe your last breath. But every man on this earth and, uh, uh, before the Lord Jesus comes back will all face death. Uh, and ideally, I think God's best is when it's time to go, he'll just call you up and say, hey, next Tuesday at 5 o'clock, come on home. All right, next Tuesday o'clock, you turn the light off and you head home. You just, your body separates from your, from your spirit. Your spirit goes to heaven. Your body stays here and you're done. You don't have to die of sickness and disease. You don't have to die of a heart attack and aneurysm, you know, of, of cancer. You don't have to, you're not required to die of any of those things. You can just turn the light off and go home. Amen. Now, that's God's best. That's what, right now, that's God's best. In the future, when we get a glorified body, God's best will that we will live forever. We will have immortal bodies. Well, Jesus had an immortal body because he did not uh, have the sin nature in him, which would have allowed him to live forever physically. Amen. No limitations on his life. Uh, and wh- why is that important? Well, it's important uh, because uh, let's turn over to John chapter 10. I keep saying don't turn over there, but I keep turning over there. Right. Uh, in, in John chapter 10. Uh, well, I need to turn over there because I want to read a couple more of the scriptures there. Uh, in the context of that it's slower when you don't have two hands i don't know why because it just takes one hand to turn over there in john chapter 10 so jesus is talking here uh he says in verse 17 therefore doth my father love me because i lay down my life that i might take it again no man taketh it from me so is any man did any man kill jesus no no man taketh it from him uh, but i lay it down of myself i have power that word power there is is authority I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So, Jesus was not a victim on the cross. He didn't die because of, of his wounds overwhelmed him. If he hadn't chosen to die on the cross, he would have got healed on the cross. His physical body would have healed itself just by its own nature of having that ability to do that. And he would have just got off, got off the cross. He did not have to die on the cross, even though he, he was... The Bible says that he, he was uh, uh, beaten beyond uh, the, the appearance of a man. I mean, he, that's how much that he was beaten in that time frame from the time of Garden of Gethsemane until he went to the cross. They beat him to so he didn't even look like a human being. His, his body would have healed itself. Just through the Spirit of God that lived in him, that eternal life that lived in him, would have caused that physical body to be healed. He said, he, I choose to lay it down. When he said, it's finished, uh, there in, in John chapter 19, he said it's finished. He says he, he, uh, he bowed his head and he gave, he gave up the ghost, right? So he decided when he was going to die. If he decided to, to come off the cross, he could have just come off the cross, amen? Uh, and so, uh, but he could only do that if he didn't have a sin nature that, that was working against him, amen? Uh, and so he had the ability to do that. He had the ability to, uh, uh, to be on the cross and to suffer there, and it was painful. It wasn't like he didn't feel pain. He felt the pain and the agony and the shame of everything, you know, that he experienced it. But, you know, you, you ever uh, got hurt, and it was painful, but you still got better? Well, Jesus was in pain because people afflicted uh, agony upon him, but he would have gotten better, amen? He would have gotten healed on the cross and, and just walked off the cross, amen? Uh, and so, so it was important for him to, to come into the earth without a sin nature so he was qualified to do the work that the Lord had given him to do. Amen. Uh, if he had been born like everybody else, he, he would have not been qualified. He just couldn't have done it. Amen. We're going to look at some more of that in the, uh, later on here. 
Uh, and then the, nec the next thing was uh, over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says in verse 45, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, the last Adam, was made a quickening spirit. So uh, the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam. And why is that important? Well, this one's important to me because I hear a lot of a lot of hearsay, right? A lot of things people say. Well, you know, God put Adam on the earth knowing he was going to fail, right? And and kind of there was no way Adam could have been successful, right? That that he was doomed to fail, and, and you know the the serpent was there, and eventually the serpent would have won out anyway. Doesn't matter if it was early or late eventually Adam would have fallen. There was just, the Lord planned it that way. That was the plan from the beginning that, that God would create Adam and Eve. They would fall in the garden and he would send Jesus and, and, and look like a, like a hero. But he kind of set it up to begin with to fail. Amen. Uh, and, you know, that just to me, this borders on heresy. It's like, have you ever met the Lord? So Lord up there just make playing games with us, right? We're little pawns and just seeing how much we can take. And then, well, you know, God won't put on you, on, put on you any more than you can bear. But he's going to see just how far you can go, right? Like he's just, uh, you, ever, you ever done things with ants, right? You just, you know, you really mean to ants and, you know, and, and um, nobody ever done that, right? Uh, I mean, I've heard stories where you tied strings to bugs, right? And flew them around, June bugs, right? And you just, we're just mean to bugs, right? You know, pluck all the legs off a, off a bug, you know, and see what it'll do. Or pluck the wings off of something and see, you, you ever done that? Pluck the wings off like a fly and see what happens. I used to do that, pluck wings off flies, you know. Terrible, You're awful people, right? Just horrible. Uh, and uh, God's not that way. That's not God. He's not going, hey, let's just take a leg off and see what happens, right? He's not doing that, amen? But see, people think that. So why, why, did, why did the Bible call Jesus the last Adam? Because he wanted to prove the, uh, and dis dismiss the lie that, that Adam was doomed to fail. Jesus came in exactly like Adam, right? Who, who was Adam's father? God. Who was Jesus' father? God. So, uh, how much of the sin nature did Adam have in his flesh? None. How much of the sin nature did Jesus have in his flesh? None. So they were essentially the same. How long would Adam have lived if he had never sinned? He'd be with us today, right? How long of Jesus would have lived if he hadn't gone to the cross? He'd be with us today, right? So there, there was no distinction really between uh, the setup that Adam had and the setup that, that Jesus had. And there's some other things we could talk about that I, I don't know the answer to those questions, you know, but... Uh, um, uh, maybe one of these days we'll figure it out. So uh, we don't have time to answer all those other questions or to ask all those questions. But, uh, but part of the reason uh, that Jesus came was to dispel the lie that Adam was doomed to fail. Was Jesus successful all of his life? He was. He never failed. Did it, Jesus ever sin? Never. And yet, does the Bible say that Jesus was tempted in all points like a demand? He was tempted exactly the same way that Adam and Eve were. You know, to remember the, in, in Luke chapter 4, uh, about uh, going to the wilderness and being tempted? Was he successful in, those, in, uh, in overcoming those temptations? Every single time. You think that was the last time he was ever tempted? No, he was never. Because the Bible says that he left for a season, that the devil left for a season. But he had to deal with all those Pharisees, right? You know Jesus was tempted to go, just zap. Zap that one. Zap. You know that temptation was, you know, was there, right? I mean, wouldn't it be there for you if he could just do anything? You know, just zap, you know. Oh, light turned red, zap, you know. Oh, you cut me off, you know, zap. We just zap everybody, right? But uh, Jesus was tempted in the same exact way you and I were tempted, right? The, the, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Those same three temptations follow every human being, followed Adam, followed Jesus. But Adam failed, Jesus didn't fail. Now, 
Well, he was the son of God. He had an advantage. The Bible says in, in Philippians chapter 2 that he laid all that aside. He was the last Adam. He wasn't the son of God when he came into the earth. He, he was the son of God in, in essence, right? But he laid aside all the ability of the son of God to come into the earth. So he was, the, the Bible calls him the last Adam. Why? Because he had to, to do away with the lie that Adam was doomed to fail. God's just playing games with us. He's up there. We're just pawns in a little game of God. You know, we're little ants and bugs and he's God and he's not doing that. Amen. And so uh, uh, he has, uh, he has shown us that uh, he could have been successful. That Adam could have been successful. Jesus was successful. Adam could have been successful. Amen. Uh, and so, and, and so that's, a, you know, to me, that's a, a, a big, important reason because uh, people love to, to, to make God out to be some terrible uh, thing, right? That he's just messing with us and, you know, well, his ways are higher than our ways. And, well, they are, but they're higher in the sense that they're better. However you think you are, he's better than that. Amen? It's not however good you think you are. Oh, yeah, well, God's good, but it's weird good. You know, like, you know, he'll put the... Put your hand on the, on the iron skillet to burn it to show you, you know, that's good. That's not good. That's stupid, right? But people say God does things like that, right? He'll just, you know, uh, go to a funeral. Well, God took him, right? God murdered that, you know, sometimes as a child. Well, God needed him in heaven more than a parent did. Really? That's the biggest lie. You know, you should have all your credentials pulled, and you shouldn't even be allowed to teach Sunday school, right? Maybe, not even door greeter. Uh, I mean, I don't even know what job, you know, maybe, you know, uh, uh, taking a lint roller on the chairs, maybe, you know, we'll think about it, right? If, if that might be the only quali- thing you're qualified to do. Surely not to stand behind a pulpit and tell lies about God that he's murdering people, especially children, right? Uh, and so Jesus dispelled that lie. He was completely successful. He was always in charge. Nobody got one over on him. He was not a victim on the cross. He chose to go. I, I, I lay my life down. I take it back up. Amen. This commandment have I received from the Father. And so, uh, the the last one then, so the, the first reason uh, why he had to be uh, born uh, of a virgin was to have a body that was separate from the sin nature, right? The second one was uh, to be the last Adam and, and to dispel that particular lie. Uh, and then uh, the last one uh, was if, <clears throat> uh, if God is the father of all mankind, did God create mankind? He did, right? Then uh, if... If Jesus then was born of God the Father, then that makes Jesus kind of related to all of mankind. Amen? Right? I mean, he, like he's everybody's brother because he's born of the same Father that, that eventually uh, created all of us. Uh, and so why, why is it important? Well, I'm going to read a, a scripture here in, in the book of Leviticus. And the thing, you know, I, I'm not a, you know, I don't spend a lot of time in the Old Testament. I read the Old Testament. But I read the Old Testament because I need to understand more about the New Testament. And if you go back to the Old Testament, the thing I love about the Old Testament is, is God is writing all these laws, right? Because he's writing, writing these laws, and he's getting people to go, yeah, we'll take that. Yeah, we'll take that law. And they don't even know what they're signing up for, right? Just like when you buy a house, you know, you got 100 pages of things, and, and oh, yeah, you're signing it. You know, you don't know. They could be asking for your firstborn male child. They could ask you, you know, for a kidney. You don't even know, right? You just, oh, yeah, I'll sign it, you know. And, and, and that's the way they were in the Old Testament. Just all these laws, yeah, we'll take it, yeah, not even knowing what they were. Uh, but then you go back and, and start reading some of these laws, and the Lord's setting everything up. He's setting up for the future, right? They're, they're accepting these laws because of their covenant, not even really understanding what these laws will allow them to do in the future, what God will, will uh, use, not loopholes because they're written in the law, right? They're not loopholes. He clearly wrote these in the law. 
So in this particular law, it's in Leviticus chapter 25, it says in verse 47, it says, if a sojourner or stranger wax rich by thee. So in other words, somebody who's not of the covenant of Israel uh, is rich. And uh, thy brother that dwelleth by him wax poor. So your brother, so he's a Jew, uh, dwelleth by him, uh, gets poor, and sell himself uh, unto the stranger or the sojourner by thee or to, to, or to the stock of the stranger's family. After that he is sold, he may be redeemed again. In other words, purchased back. So, and so what he's saying here is if, you know, if you're an Israelite and you get poor, well, and this rich guy comes by, he's not an Israelite, but a rich guy comes by, you can sell yourself to him. Why? To get money to feed your family, right, whatever. So you can sell yourself to him. Uh, and if you do that, uh, the, the law is, but he can be bought back. Right? He can be uh, bought. If somebody will come along with money, he can buy him back out of that deal. So you sell yourself basically as a slave to somebody. And, uh, but the loophole is, the, the law that he let in there is it doesn't have to be forever. If somebody's willing to come along and buy you back, then that's the, that's the deal, right? And, that, and so that's what the law says. So if you sell yourself because you're poor and, and you're a slave to somebody, that he can be uh, redeemed again or purchased back. The word redeem means to buy back, right? Purchased back. Now, one of his, one of his brethren may redeem him. Either his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him, or any that is nigh of kin unto him uh, of his family may redeem him. Or if he is able, he may redeem himself. Now, I think the Lord put that last phrase in here to make fun of us, right? Because we're all like, yeah, I'm able. The Lord's like, really? You're kidding, right? I mean, I think he put that in there just to let us know that, yeah, right. Yeah, because, you, you, oh, yeah, I can do it. I'm going to save up. And I'm going to pay for my own sin. Right. You know, how's that working out for you, right? But people do that all the time. I'm going to pay for my own sins. Right. Yeah, if he's able, right, he can redeem himself. Uh, and and that's, that shows that the Lord has a good sense of humor because nobody's ever been able to do that. No one. A lot of people have tried, and a lot of people think they can. Nobody's ever been able to, right? Uh, and so, so basically, we need help. Now, we all know that, right? I mean, I could tell you all, you know, a lot of you need a lot of help, right? We all need help, I mean, we need somebody to, to, to fill this job for us, right? So, so, of course, Romans 7, 14 says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So we have sold ourselves into sin, right? When we decided, hey, I'm going to do what I want to do, we sold ourselves into sin. We didn't really read the, did you read the fine print? Hey, if I do this right here, I'm sold into sin the rest of my life. I'm, I'm, I'm going to miss eternity. Did anybody read that fine print? Nobody read it. Why? Because I don't know. I just want to do it anyway. I mean, if you'd read the fine print, and, and would you even have understood it? Because the devil would have talked in legalese, right? Oh, yeah, you do all this. And you're you're going to lose on eternity, right? Oh, yeah, it's fine. You know, whatever. I don't care. You know, I'm 12. I already know everything. There's no. Uh, I'm going to do it. And so, uh, no, uh, we sold ourselves into sin. So now we need to be redeemed or purchased out of that sin. Now, he said you could do it yourself, right? You could do it yourself. But uh, 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 how are you going to do that? What are you going to use for currency? I'll give you my house. I mean, you think the devil's impressed with your house? I'll give you my car, right? I'll give you all the money I got. I mean, he's got billionaires running around the world, right? What's he need your money for? You think you're ever going to have enough goods or whatever, uh, money, goods, uh, you know, good intentions, whatever it is, to pay for and redeem yourself from your own sin? No. 
But, you know, that's why Jesus has, has a sense of humor. If he is able, he may redeem himself. <laughs> I even got a bolder right there, my, my notes there. If he's able, ha ha. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, what's the deal then? Well, uh, this is the story of Ruth and Boaz. Anybody know the book of Ruth, right? You get a chance to go read the book of Ruth. I mean, the four chapters, read the whole thing. Man, I've, read a whole ch- I've read a whole book of the Bible. Just four chapters, right? Book of Ruth. Four chapters, right? Uh, and so, uh, so, th- so the, the story of Ruth was, uh, we call it the story of the kinsman redeemer, right? Uh, it's the, re- the redeemer uh, and the kinsman, you know. It, you know, I never heard the word kin until it came to Tennessee, right? Kin is like a Tennessee word. It sounds like a slang word, but it's really a real word, right? Uh, kin- kinsman redeemer. Uh, and so, so there were three qualifications to being a redeemer. If you're going to redeem somebody, right, according to Leviticus 25. Now, this is a law, right? This is the law says you can redeem somebody, but you had to meet some qualifications. The first qualification was you had to be related, right? So it couldn't be your, you know, couldn't be your neighbor, not according to law, right? What if your law wanted, what if your neighbor wanted to? Well, are you related? No, well, then you're not qualified. According to Leviticus 25, you've got to be a, a related person, right? He says an uncle or an uncle's son or just anybody that's a kin, right, that's unto him could do it. So if Jesus was now born of, of the Father God and he's basically related to all of humanity, then who could he redeem legally, according to Leviticus 25? He could redeem everybody, right? He's related to everybody, so that means he could redeem everybody. So, so in order to, if, you see, if Joseph has been his dad, he could have redeemed Joseph, right, Mary, Joseph's cousins, right? Joseph's nephews, Joseph's, you know, brothers or sisters. But he couldn't have, have, uh, have redeemed Nicodemus. They weren't related. Now, like in, in Dayton, I think we're all related, right? So he, we could have, you know, if it was you in here, you know, we could have do everybody in Dayton, right? Because we're all related. But uh, I'm only related by marriage. But, you know, Chris is like, oh, yeah, the, they, they married my mamma on my second side. And, you know, and she was married to so-and-so, you know. It's like, can we draw a tree? We need, like, a tree, right? It... it uh, Anyway, so, uh, so uh, the, the, uh, Jesus being born of the Father then made him able to meet the first qualification. He's related to everybody. That means he could redeem everybody. So who else was, was, had met that qualification? No one. No one could ever meet that qualification. Now, you could redeem yourself, right? He, or if he's able, he could redeem himself. Ah, right. That's never going to happen. But Jesus was, was born of everybody, right? Uh, and so, and so when, when, uh, if you go back to the book of Ruth and you read the story, you remember she was, she was hanging out with Boaz and, uh, she, uh, you know, Ruth's uh, husband had died. So she was a widow and, uh, she'd lost her land, uh, through Naomi, her mother, her mother-in-law, uh, they lost the land in, in Israel. And so, uh, a, a kinsman redeemer could have come and redeemed her and the land. Uh, but she needed a, a, a relative. And so Boaz was a relative, right? Uh, you know, you go back to the, I don't remember how he was related to them, if he even says that. Uh, but uh, but uh, because he was related, he could redeem Ruth. Now, uh, if you go in the, in the story there, uh, it says that in Ruth chapter uh, uh, 3, verse 12, it says, Now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, how, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. So if you were a second cousin, uh, you had to wait to give the opportunity for the first cousin to offer to redeem him, right? And so a brother could redeem somebody quicker than a first cousin could, amen? And so the, the law was, who's ever the closest kinsman, they get first, first dips. 
And so Boaz was pretty smart. He went to the, to the next kinsman and said, hey, you're the near kinsman. I've got this land over here, and, and I want to redeem it, but you're the near kinsman. And, of course, he said, I'll, I'll take the land. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll take it right down. He, uh, well, before you do that, you also have to redeem this woman, too. She's part of the deal. And he's married, and, so, and he's like, yeah, I, he's trying to, I'm sure he's thinking, how can I do this? I really want this land. I've got to take this woman, too. And, and if I go home, say, honey, uh, I got some land. That's great. Anything else happen? Uh, well, no, no. Well, I did get this other woman. But, you know, hey, you know, we got this land. It's really nice land. Uh, and it came with this woman. But we got this land. Uh, that probably wouldn't have gone over really well. He goes, well, you know, I, I would do it. If it's just the land, I'd do it. But if you've got this woman involved, I can't do it. So, you know, if you want to, you go ahead. And so Boaz was pretty smart, right? And so, so he got the deal. He was a near kinsman, uh, the next near kinsman. After that, he redeemed, he purchased, paid the money to redeem the land and paid the money to redeem, to redeem uh, Ruth. But that's as far as he could go. He couldn't redeem, you know, uh, Bob or Fred or Joe, right? Uh, and so, he, but he could redeem uh, Ruth and her land because he was a kinsman to them. Uh, and so he was qualified to do that. So the first qualification was you've got to be related. So Jesus is essentially related to the whole earth because the fa- he's, he's the son of the father, right? And the father... The Bible says that, that God is the father of all spirits. So, in essence, Jesus is, is still related to every human being. Even those are, are out there, right? They're not in the church. They're not on the way to heaven. But he's related to them because their spirits were created by God. So, he's qualified to redeem them. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, the second qualification uh, was uh, you had to be willing. So, you've got a kinsman. Uh, you know, uh, he's related to you. But will he do it? Well, you know, I don't know, I'm just a little busy right now, you know. Uh, and so, uh, was Jesus willing to do it? Of course, he was willing to do it, right? Was, was that kinsman who was nearer to Ruth than Boaz, was he willing to do it? He was unwilling to do it, right? Once Boaz laid out the whole deal, he's like, yeah, no, nah, I'm not going to do it, you do it. Now, if he was the only kinsman and he said, no, I'm not going to do it, then Ruth would have been stuck, right? Because he's the only kinsman, he was qualified because he was a kinsman. But he would have been unwilling to do it. He was unwilling to redeem Ruth. And so, uh, so she was stuck un- until Boaz came along. She said, yeah, I'll do it. And so now she's got a way out, right? Because uh, nobody else was qualified to do it. Uh, and so, so he had to be willing. Of course, we know the Word of God uh, in uh, one of my favorite scriptures in, in Hebrews chapter 7, or Hebrews chapter 10. In verse 7, it says, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written to me, of me to do thy will O god then said he i come to do thy will O god he taketh away the first that he may establish the second that's in verse 9 so hebrews chapter 10 verse 7 and verse 9 said jesus said i came to do your will what's the will of the father i need you to redeem my people i need you to be willing to redeem my people jesus said whatever you want lord that's what i came here jesus jesus didn't come to go to the cross he didn't come to die and shed blood he didn't come to do anything, he came to do the will of the Father. Whatever the Father wanted him to do. Uh, if, if that meant going to the cross, then that's fine. If that meant shedding blood, no problem, Lord. Because uh, Jesus basically gave the Father a, a blank check. Whatever you want me to do, Father, that's what I'll do. It's not like a list. You, you ever given the Lord a list? Lord, I'll do anything for you as long as it's on this list right here. Right? Just like, you know, uh, one of the funny stories, we, 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 uh, I was talking one day about, hey, you know, if you go to church, you know, you ought to try to help out some. Right, just be a good thing to do, help out, you know. 
I want, I'm not trying to get anybody to do anything, but just it's a good thing to do, right? Be a servant. We're all servants of the Most High God. Be a servant, amen? And so I was just talking about that one day, and, and someone came up after, after church and said, hey, I'd love to help on the church. You know, uh, I'll be glad to do anything you need me to do. I said, well, you know, right now we don't really need anything except, you know, we, we've got these baseboards, and, and um, you know, could you clean the baseboards of the church, you know, just one time? Just, and, and they're like, no, I can't do that. And it's like, well, then, <laughs> you know, that's the only thing I need right now. Just, that's it, right? I don't need walls painted. I don't need, you know, furniture clean. I, I don't need food made, you know. I don't need, I don't need a special singing. I, I just need some baseboard. I'll do anything. Well, yeah, not that. I mean, not, not that. I mean, you got anything else? No, that's it. Okay. Well, you know, and that was it, right? Unwilling, right? Lord, I came to do thy will, as long as not baseboards, right? I mean, I don't, is that a thing? Is that, is it really hard to do? I mean, I don't know. It just, I just hadn't gotten around to doing it. And so, uh, but anyway, I thought it was funny. It's still funny. And so, <laughs> and so, isn't that funny? It's pretty funny, right? Well, anything. Well, not that, you know. <laughs> so, uh, uh, but Jesus, he said, I came to do thy will. I love that. I, I came to do your will. Whatever it takes, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do that, right? So, number one uh, uh, requirement to be a near kin, be a kinsman redeemer, had to be a kin, right? That's kind of obvious, right? Second one was uh, you had to be willing. The third one, though, was also really important, was you had to be able, right? So, remember uh, what, the, what the law said? If he is able, he can do it himself, <laughs> right? If he's able. Uh, and so, what, uh, if you're going to buy somebody back, then to be able to buy them back, if you meet the other qualifications, you had to have the money to do it, right? You have to have the goods to do it. Uh, and so whatever the money it costs to redeem Ruth and to redeem her land, Boaz had the goods, right? He was a wealthy man. He had the goods to do it. You know, the other kinsman was wealthy enough to do it. He was unwilling to do it. Uh, but Boaz was both uh, able. He met the first qualification. He was a near kinsman. He met the qualification, the second qualification, uh, that he was willing to do it. And the third qualification, he was able to do it. He had the money to do it, right? And so that's why the Lord put that, uh, that, that uh, note there at the end of the law. If he is able, he can do it himself, right? If he is able, he may redeem himself. Knowing that are any of us in here are, have lived a perfect enough uh, life to qualify to redeem our own self, it's kind of a, a, a circular logic, right? Because the reason why you need redeeming is because you haven't lived a perfect life. And so in order to, to be qualified to and be able to redeem yourself, you would have had to live a perfect life. But you've already not lived a perfect life, so you're, you will never be qualified to, to redeem yourself. And if we could get over that in our hearts, in our minds, to just quit trying to pay for our own sins, you're never going to be qualified for it. You, the Lord's never going to be, oh, okay, that's enough. You, you know, you, if you, you have to, you'd have to understand what it takes from a just standpoint that God is the judge of the earth and as a just and a holy God, he's, he's the one who wrote the, uh, figured out what the cost to redeem mankind is. And, and he did. He figured out. He, he, he added up all the sin that mankind had done before Jesus. He added up all the sin that was going on while Jesus was around. And he foresaw the future and knows all the sin that was going to happen after Jesus left. So he knows what you're going to do tomorrow. Do you know that, right? He knows that. And he's already put that in the ledger. Well, yeah, they're going to do that tomorrow. It's, it's terrible, but, you know, they're going to do it anyway, so that's a knock against him. And, and, and then what did he do? He added it all up. That's okay. So here's all the sin that mankind's ever going to do, has already done. Added up. What's the cost? It, it, it's a sideways eight, right? It's an infinite. It's just infinite cost. 
And he looked around. What, what's, what's, what's valuable enough to pay for an infinite cost of sin? And, uh, and no doubt Jesus probably said, hey, uh, I can go to the earth and shed blood. It'll be, it'll be perfect and holy. It'll be, it'll be enough, Lord. Like, you, you, you'll do that? Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'm sure that's not exactly how the conversation went, but, but that's a, essentially the essence of it, right, is, is if I go to the earth and I go without a sin nature, then my blood will be perfect, and it'll be, it'll be divine blood. It'll pay for all the sins. It's, it's capable of doing it. It's able to do it. It's able to pay the price for all the sins. And, and, and okay, that's, that sounds like a good deal. You, you go down, Jesus, here's how we'll do it. We'll sneak in, virgin birth, you know, under cover of darkness, right? And, and we won't even go to the inn. You know, uh, Joseph didn't call ahead, right? And, and uh, now they don't have a room in the inn, and, and, and that's why Mary didn't talk to him. She got mad, you know. That was the first silent night, right? I mean, just, uh, did you call? No, I didn't call. You should have called. I know I should have called. Why did you call? No, I didn't call. You know, it's silent all the rest of the night. Silent treatment the rest of the night, right? Silent night, holy night. That's, that's why it was silent, right? And so, uh, and so uh, but that was the deal. Your blood is, is able, right? If he is able, he can redeem himself. Nobody's able. Jesus was able. His sin, his, uh, his, sin, his blood was sufficient to pay for all sins that ever been, been committed and ever will be committed. Every sin that that's even hasn't been committed has been paid for already. Oh, everybody gets to go to heaven? Nope. You have to accept that work in order to be able to go to heaven, right? You've got to accept the purchase price for your own sin. Otherwise, you're still on the hook for your own sin. And people die every day. I'm going to pay for my own sin. You will be in an eternity in hell because every sin is such an infraction against a pure and holy God. You're never going to be able to pay. Jesus already did it. It's, it's foolishness to think, I'll just pay for it myself. That's the dumbest thing. I mean, wouldn't you love for somebody else to pay for your stuff anywhere you go? Uh, you know, every now and then we'll go out to eat, we'll go through drive through or something, and, hey, let's pay for the guy behind us, right? Was, you know, we like doing that. We pay for the hey, pay for, And they get up there, it's already paid for. Wouldn't that be nice? To, it's already paid for. Nobody goes, no, I ain't doing that. You know, I'll do it myself. You just give me that. You know, I'll pay, you know, I'll pay for it. It's already paid for. I ain't paying for it. It's already paid for. You think anybody has, has left mad? I'm sure there's a couple of stupid people who's probably left mad. But most normal people, you know, they're like, well, you know, thank you, Jesus, right? They even know Jesus, so they thank you, Jesus, right? Uh, and so, why? Because it's paid for. It's a sweet deal, amen? And if we just accept it, you know, they don't have to accept it. Or they go to the drive-thru, I ain't taking it. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure the, the drive-thru guy's thinking, sweet, I get, you know, free burger for me, right, or whatever. And so, because it's paid for. It's not like they're stealing. It's already paid for, amen? Uh, and so, that was the three requirements for the, for the kinsman redeemer. Had to be a near kinsman, right? Had to be related to somebody. Had to be willing to do it. Had to be able to do it. Jesus met all the qualifications. Amen. And, and, and that's a big reason why he had to be born of a virgin. In order to meet. Because the law. The law was there, right? He said, I'm just doing Leviticus 25. I have a legal right to do Leviticus 25. I have a legal right to redeem every human being on the earth. It wasn't trickery. It wasn't, you know, he didn't override the devil and sneak in there. He, he wrote a law with the covenant people of, of, of God. and said, this is what I'm going to do. And, and, and he did that, didn't he? Amen. And so, uh, and the only way, what I would encourage you to do is me, you got to meditate on these things because these things, I love these stories, especially the kinsman redeemer. Just, I love the story because it just shows how much work God put into your redemption. He wrote a law in Leviticus 
2,000 years before Jesus came in Leviticus that he was going to take advantage of when he came to the earth. He said, that's what I'm going to do right there. For you, he, put, he, he told Moses to write this down thousands of years ago so that when you showed up, he's, oh, yeah, uh, I've already taken care of that. Well, how'd you do that, Lord? I, I had a lot of forethought. I wrote this down 2,000 years ago. It's already there. Look up chapter 25. You know, back then they didn't have chapter 25. They had scrolls, right? You had to scroll and find that. I mean, just think about how long it takes to read it, you know, find anything, right? Uh, and so, but now we have book, chapter, and verse, amen? Uh, Leviticus 25. Go read it. it it's, a, it's all clear, right? Here's the deal. And so the Lord said, I can do that. See, he knew when I wrote the law, he said, okay, to do that, then I've got to be born of a virgin. I've got to be born of Bethlehem. I've got to go to Nazareth. You know, he, he is all planned out. Everything he did, perfectly planned out. Amen? Uh, and, and just genius, just so, so intelligent how the Lord is to plan all this out so that you get a free ride to heaven. Amen? Free ride to heaven. Uh, and it's the sweetest deal, best deal. I don't know why. Uh, to me, I have no idea why everybody in the world is not a Christian. I mean, it's just... There's, there's nothing like this in any other religion that anybody ever put this much thought and planning to redeem you because he loved you, right? Remember the, in, in the book of Hebrews, it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That joy that was set before him was you. God put all of you before him when he was on the cross. That's why he was able to endure the cross. He's like, man, I know this hurts, but, you know, I mean, Chip Bullitt, right? thousands of years, he'll, 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 he'll accept me. He'll get to go to heaven with me. And that made his day, right? Just seeing me 2,000 years, he saw me, he saw you, and that brought joy to his heart. On the cross, it brought joy to his heart. On the cross, that, that him shedding that blood and having all the shame, he said he despised the shame. It's like, I, it, it, no big deal doing this. They get to go to heaven. Despise it. It's, like a, it's a small deal. Yeah, it hurts, and it's in agony, painful, uh, and terrible that he did it. But he saw you, he saw me, joy, brought joy to his heart knowing that. And that's the kind of God we serve, amen? Why everybody isn't a Christian, uh, it's just beyond me. I mean, I have no idea, right? Anybody who understood these things like this, they'd all come running to the Lord, amen? And I think everybody in here is a Christian, right? So I know all of you all here. So we've got to go get some more non-Christians, right? Just go grab some Christian people who aren't Christians and bring them, drag them in here, right? We can duct tape them to the chair or something and, and, and let them hear these words. Wouldn't they, everybody want to get saved if you heard these words? Yeah, we, well, we could take these words out and go tell them, right? Hey, you know why Jesus had to be born of a virgin? Let me give you a CD, right? <laughs> and so we can tell them all, amen? We, get, we know all these things now. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that, that uh, we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Father, and that you, uh, you spent so much time and so much energy, so much effort and planning and putting this together, Father, for thousands of years you planned this uh, so that we could have a right to go to heaven. And, Father, we're so thankful for that. We're so thankful, and, and we, we love you so much because it shows us, Father, how much you desire us to be with you. These were not small things, Father. This wasn't just, just back-of-the-envelope kind of things. These were long-term, centuries and centuries of planning and strategizing, Father for this to work out at the end of the day so you could just offer. It wasn't even a requirement. You could offer salvation to everybody. And so, Father, we choose to accept you. We choose to accept the blood of Jesus. We choose to accept uh, being born of you, Father. And, Father, we choose to live for all eternity with you because of your great sacrifice. You chose to do it. 
You loved us. It brought joy to your heart, knowing that we would have the opportunity to spend forever with you. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And, Lord, we give you all praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. He's so good. I, I, uh, this has been an area of study that I have uh, pursued over the years. And I just, every now and then I go back and add a few more things to my notes because he's just, uh, they're just, just such a good story. Amen. Um, and if I was an evangelist, I could really preach it, you know. And, uh, and so I'm not, a, I'm not an evangelist, but uh, I need to find that evangelist given my notes here. Man, they could preach up a storm with that right there, right? So praise God. Well, this is the last Sunday we're here uh, for the year, right? We'll be here this Sunday and then Wednesday, but the last Sunday and then course uh two weeks from now is uh new year's day we'll be here uh two years uh two weeks from now on new year's day right a whole year from now so uh well let's get ready to receive uh, this morning's tithes and offerings amen <clears throat> and um uh <clears throat> as jared comes to do that i'm going to read a, a verse here i know we know this verse uh but um it says here in the book of philippians and in order to really understand uh, this particular verse here, you really need to read the context of, uh, of chapter 4 there. Uh, but it says here in Philippians uh, chapter 4, um, in verse 19, it said, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And if you read the context of that, he was talking earlier on about how the Philippians had once and again given to him. And he says, uh, because you've done that, because you've given to me, you've given to the Lord and, and, and his work, my God shall supply all of your needs. So it's always a law of sowing and reaping, right? In the area of giving, it's always governed by the law of sowing and reaping. And so the Philippian church had loved Paul's ministry. They gave into his ministry. And Paul just said, look, uh, because you've been so kind to give to me, I want to let you know that God will, will supply all of your need, all of your need, according to or measured by his riches and glory, not according to and measured by the current state of the economy, right? Not according to the current interest rates, current gas prices, current, uh, you know, minimum wage um, amount, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. So uh, that's a good promise because uh, it's uh, a promise of sowing and reaping. If I give unto the Lord, then, then uh, he'll meet all my need. And so is that true, that he'll meet all your need? If it's true, then, then should we ever be fearful of giving? No, we should never be fearful because if, if we give and he's going to meet all my need, then, then what are we lacking, right? Uh, uh, so we'll never lack, right? And so and that's a valid promise. It's, you know, I didn't, I didn't write it. The Lord wrote it, amen? Uh, and so we thank God that he's going to, but my God shall supply all of my need according to or measured by his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, amen? And so uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give. We thank you, Father, that it's an honor to give into your kingdom. We thank you, Father, that uh, it, uh, we're glad to do it. You said that you love a cheerful giver, so we're glad to give, Father. It's an honor for us to give. And, Lord, we thank you that as we give with, with uh, sincere hearts that you said in your word that, uh, that my God shall supply all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you that all of my needs are met. Father, I have no needs or wants or desires that, are, that can't be fulfilled. You will fulfill them all. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering there. And so don't forget, uh, January 1st, we'll have our church mail here. 
uh, on Sunday, so two weeks from today. Bring all the black eyed peas, hog giles, you know, fat back, I don't know what it is, you know, uh, turnip greens, bring it all, right? And, and uh, Chris will be thrilled about it, right? Uh, and so, um, and then we'll have healing school today, right? And uh, what's the comments from the, there's comments over here murmuring going on, so. Uh, but um, don't forget, we have healing school today at 3 o'clock, and then um, Wednesday night service uh, this week, amen? All right, praise God. Well, y'all be blessed, uh, and uh, we'll see you at 3 o'clock, right? Amen.